when I was in, in thoughts and prayers thinking about what I wanted uh, us as a community to talk about uh, through the next several weeks of sermons, uh, I felt it on my heart to talk about resilience, and I, I didn't realize at the time all of the kinds of stories that would come out that would make that, I think, very relevant and appropriate to us. Um, you know, when we turn on the national news and you're in a week full of hearing about someone sending bombs in the mail to people, uh, you hear about someone uh, going into a place of worship and committing violence and murdering innocent people, um, you know, that's tough. And it, it just brings you down, and it brings, it, it, you bring, it brings you into this dark place. Uh, but, but sometimes the national scale doesn't hit as close to home. Uh, there are plenty of stories in our own midst of people going through very challenging situations. Um, you know, there's people uh, who have been abandoned. There's people who are mistreated uh, abused, whether that's verbally or physically. Uh, there's death. Uh, there's all sorts of things that are very, very challenging. And it helps to have a community to go through those things with. And so uh, I think also as a church, you know, you might throw, we might throw an event, start some new ministry. What if nobody shows up? Uh, there's all sorts of pains that we experience. And so I think one of the most important things that we can continually work on uh, individually and communally is resilience. And resilience is that ability to adapt or bounce back from the various kinds of trauma uh, or stress that comes our way. Whenever adversity comes, do you give up? Do you choose a way of death and, and try to be destructive? Or do you choose life and choose to move forward? And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next four weeks, there's four chapters in the book of Ruth, and we're going to walk through the book of Ruth together. And I think we, we're going to see some things that Ruth and Naomi do that speak to us about resilience. Uh, but beyond that scope, today's scope, when we look at the first chapter of Ruth, is uh, how do I survive losing everything? And to really get at that, we have to kind of start before our scripture reading text, which is going to be the crux of what we're going to talk about. Um, but what did Naomi lose? We have to appreciate that to get where she's at at the end of that chapter when she talks about being bitter. So um, the book of Ruth starts out uh, with Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and they live in Bethlehem. And it says there's a famine. A famine's awful because especially, we don't know exactly their line of work, but let's say you're a farmer uh, and there's a famine. That hurts in a lot of ways. It hurts to not be able to eat. It hurts not to be able to work. And so they decide to leave Bethlehem to go to Moab, which is uh, a foreign country to them. And the irony in the Hebrew text is that Bethlehem means the house of bread, and they have to leave the house of bread to find food. So they travel to a distant land. And so they go, uh, husband and wife and their two sons, and they get to Moab. And so they're starting life there. There's food there. But then Naomi's husband, Elimelech, passes away. So life gets a little bit harder again. 
But she has two sons in the story, and the two sons get married, and so Naomi gets to experience life uh, through her kids and her kids' joys and their celebrations. And so then her sons die too. And so there's Naomi who had to leave home and go to a new land. She sees her husband pass away, and then she sees her sons pass away. And uh, the end of Ruth 1, 4, and 5 kind of says it pretty bluntly. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Milan and Kilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So she's, she's lost everything in that moment. She lost her family. She's not living with her extended family. She's not at home uh, in this society. There's not a lot of options for women in that culture. And so losing the men of the house also puts them at a lot of risk for other kinds of challenges and problems. And so that's, that's the situation that she finds herself in at the beginning of the story. And I don't know how many of you know much of some of my own story, um, but my, my parents moved around a lot, and that's always what gets complicated for me when I have to say, where are you from? And I have to go through this whole spiel about my family moving around all the time. Uh, but my dad was a retail store manager, and you'd open up a new store, you'd move to the next city. Move to the next city, keep moving for that, uh, that paycheck, uh, looking for bread again. And so they moved all around, and they ended up in the Fort Worth area, and when I was about 10 years old, my dad passed away of stage four colon cancer. And so we were in a place far away from family uh, and suddenly pushed into a new world. And 10 years old is kind of a weird age, so I, I didn't really process that in that moment. You know, it took some years to get into that space where you really can process what's happened to you. But your world is upside down when you experience significant loss. Um, and so I don't know what losses each of you kind of brings into the space, but all of us have experienced some sort of painful loss. And I hope that you can um, see yourself with Naomi in this story and as we walk through this book with her. And so Naomi, after experiencing such loss, uh, she can't imagine new life again. And I think that you could probably relate to that feeling in that moment. And so she says to her two daughters-in-law, that's all that she has left in the world, she says, you should just go home. Like, I've got nothing for you. I don't have any other sons. I can't marry you off. You're not going to have new life through me. Go home to family. Start again, like, because I've got nothing left. And so Orpah goes about on her way, and she takes Naomi up on the offer and goes home. And so Naomi turns to Ruth and says, you know, Orpah already left. You should follow her. I've got nothing. You know, go home. Go have a life for yourself. And that's when we get the kind of very famous words, probably the words that are most known from the book of Ruth here. Strangely, they've become attached to weddings. Uh, it's a conversation between a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Uh, but we get this, this, these kind of famous words of Ruth. She says, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried, 
May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. That's a really powerful response from Ruth. And I think, when you can imagine when Naomi has nothing, and Ruth says, you know what? No matter what, not even God get in the way of us. Like, I am going to be with you. You might be going down a dark path. There might just be death ahead. But I'm going to be with you in that. And I will be there every step of the way. I'm your shadow. You're not getting rid of me. And I hope that whenever you've gone through loss, or if you're going through loss right now, that you can have a Ruth, someone who's just going to walk that path with you, and no matter what, will be by your side. No matter if there's any opportunity for them or not, Ruth is going to be with Naomi no matter what. And I love that the next verse, Naomi, it says, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. She's like, I'm not going to make any progress here. She's committed, uh, and so no more discussion. Just, okay, you can come along. And so that's where we're at when this story started, the, the text that we read this morning, is Naomi's lost everything. She has to figure out how to go home so differently than how she had left. And Ruth's tagging along with her on that journey. And so when the story picks up, says that, so the two of them went on their way until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? I don't think that they're asking, is this Naomi just because it's been 10 years? Uh, they can see something in her, the demeanor, everything is different. They're like, is that Naomi? What on earth has happened? And so the whole town's kind of wondering, is, who is this person that's returning to us? And what I appreciate is that Naomi actually kind of agrees with that. She also is going through this kind of existential question of who am I? Who am I now? And she validates their question and she replies, call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara. And your Bibles might have a footnote that gives the kind of explanation of those names. Naomi means pleasant and Mara means bitter. So if you're a Hebrew uh, listener to the story, when you heard this, all you would hear is, Call me no longer pleasant, call me bitter. And that's how she characterizes herself now. Just call me bitter. And she explains why she has this new identity. She says, For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So that brings us back to that question, how do I move forward after losing everything? Because how, how can I still be me after losing everything? So Naomi's processing that, of who is this person now that I'm, I'm returning as? I'm not the same as I used to be. And uh, I saw a movie this year. I love movie examples. You don't have to have known the movie. Um, but I saw someone that worded something that I thought was really powerful. Uh, there's this movie that came out this year uh, by Natalie Portman called Annihilation. It's 
It's a sci-fi movie. Uh, if that's your cup of tea, check it out. Uh, otherwise, it's fine. Um, but the basic premise of the movie is there's this weird anomaly, and everyone that goes in to check out this anomaly dies. And so the question of the kind of soldiers and the scientists walking into the space is, well, why on earth would you take this mission? No one's coming back from it. So what kind of baggage is this? Like, what kind of damaged goods are we to want to take on such a mission? And so Natalie Portman's character is talking to this, this character named Cass. And Cass uh, is sharing that, you know, this person, um, you know, they've got some sort of cancer that's, that's not curable, and this person used to cut themselves, and all of these stories. And so Natalie Portman turns to Cass and says, well, why did you take this mission then? Why, why would you go on this suicide mission? And she replies, I also lost someone, not a husband though, a daughter, to leukemia. And then she says, in a way it's two bereavements, my beautiful girl and the person I once was. And I don't know about you, but when you lose someone significant, that's what it feels like is happening. Is you lose someone that matters to you, but you also lose that version of yourself. And that's how you get to a place where you say, hey, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. I'm not the same person who I used to be. How do I survive losing everything? I think part of it is we have to survive by adapting. Not trying to be who we used to be, but becoming okay and embracing who we are becoming. And in this moment in the story, Naomi is in a place of bitterness, but that's not going to be her last words. She's going to come out of that and find some new life. But there's a very real change that she's gone through. And I appreciate that she's bitter, but she's not lashing out at people. She's not showing up to the wedding to say, hey, I know everyone's throwing a party, but I'm bitter right now. And you need to be bitter with me. Um, but she's coming back and they're asking, well, what's going on with you? And she just has the courage to be vulnerable and to share that I know I used to be pleasant, but I'm bitter right now. And I can tell you why. I lost everything. Why would God do that to me? It's in her mind. And so she's embraced that. She's embraced that, that change of her own identity and I, I don't think, I don't want us to lose how important that vulnerability is. Because she could have showed up and acted like nothing was wrong. Like, you know, things happened, I'm all right. And put on a little charade for everybody, put on a good face. But she came back honest and vulnerable about herself. And so I hope that if you're here today, and you feel like you've got a bit of bitterness in life, that it's okay to be that. You don't have to be that forever, but it's okay to be vulnerable and share, that's where I'm at. That, you know, life is really hard right now. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it and act like everything's perfect, uh, but I wanna process this with you. Life is bitter. And so, Maybe you need to share with people your new identity. I know that you know me as this person, but I don't feel like that right now, and I just need to be able to share that. 
I'm not who I used to be. And I hope that you'll find that people are safe to receive that and can accept you in that moment. I think resilience requires us to be vulnerable and honest with our emotions and ourselves, that we're not going to be able to bounce back from things or adapt if we're dishonest with ourselves, if we're saying, oh, I'm fine, it's okay, because we start burying our pain, and then it explodes at some point because you never really dealt with it, you never really processed it. And so there's a healthy process Naomi's going through by, by sharing herself. Maybe you're in a situation where you're constantly praised for how courageous you are, that you're so strong, that no matter what has happened to you, you've been so, so brave and courageous through that. And that's, that can be true. But it's okay to also not be that at every moment. You don't have to try to play the part of the courageous one because that's how people know you. It's okay to also have those days where you say, you know what, it's just bitter today. And I just want you to sit with me in that. Uh, I know you know that I'm the courageous one, the brave one, but today I just want to be a little bit bitter. And I just ask that you'd be with me in that. And so if, even if you're someone who finds yourself as that strong, uh, brave person, I hope that you can also be vulnerable to share when it's not that way. One of the things I think is really important in this text is Naomi doesn't just say that she's bitter. She brings God into that conversation. Look what God did to me. Look at the calamity brought upon me. And I can really relate to that. I'm, I, I probably didn't really process my dad's passing more till about freshman year of high school, which was a great time, right? Uh, you're processing a lot as a freshman. Um, but I, I remember feeling things like, you know, why, does, why do all my friends get to have their dad there for a birthday or for the big game, things like that? Like, why did you do this, God? And I don't think that's uncommon. I think that that's something we all struggle with is why, why is this this way? And some of our notions about God and God's control and power over everything leads us to questions about, well, why would you bring this on me? And I think the biggest shift for me was moving from being angry about God. And let me pause to say, God's big enough to handle that. Don't worry about, uh, oh no, if I admit and voice my anger with God, if God's going to shatter God can handle that. God can handle the, the story of Job yelling into the wind. Come down here. Explain yourself. When God does in Job, he's, he doesn't really have much to respond back to it. But, but if you're in that hard place, it's okay to voice your frustration with God. God can handle that. But at some point, I, I realized that God was suffering along with me, not harming me. That God is the God who relates to the one on the cross. God is the one who relates to those being persecuted. God isn't causing harm on people. Uh, God is alongside us on that journey and calls us towards a new life and calls us towards hope and towards uh, peace and justice. But God doesn't want to bring harm on you. God doesn't want to just end lives needlessly. Um, And so, but it's okay though as you're processing your grief to go through that stage of being angry and know that because of that, you don't have to hide from God. 
You can continue to pray, you can continue to come to church, you can continue to worship, but it's okay to voice your frustrations and your anger. I hope that if you're going through this today or if you've gone through this recently or if you sadly go through this in the near future, I hope that you can find a Ruth in your life. You find someone who will walk with you in darkness. Um, And you know, even better than that, I hope that we can be a church of Ruth's that we are a place that says you don't have to be the status quo, everything's okay. I want you to be vulnerable and honest with how things are going, and I want to walk with you through that. And so I hope we are a safe space to journey together. Um, And so whoever you identify with today, I hope you feel strengthened for the journey ahead for you. Um, We're going to see Ruth and Naomi kind of claw their way through the next parts of the story. And I think that we're going to learn some things about them and their grit and their perseverance and their resilience that are going to speak wonderfully to us. Uh, but I think none of that matters as much if we, don't, if we can't relate to Naomi and if we can't sit with her and say, I understand why you're bitter. I get that. I've felt that. And so if you feel that today, uh, I hope that you feel peace and comfort by being in this community. Um, If that's not where you're at today, I hope that you feel called to be a Ruth to somebody, that you know someone's going through something, that you check in with them, that you call them and say, hey, you can't get rid of me, sorry. Uh, I'm going to be here for you. Just let me know how I can be there. Um, So as we go through this journey together, I hope that we all feel encouraged and become more resilient. If you've lost someone or something, choose what Naomi did. Choose to come home to God. Keep choosing to show up. And let's heal together, even in the midst of our bitterness. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful uh, that you are big enough to handle uh, our frustrations, our ignorance, our anger, where we fail you. Uh, God, I ask that you would uh, move in the midst of us, that you, you would connect us even more, that we individually, but us as a society also, can grow towards peace in the midst of a very broken world right now, Lord. I ask that you would give us opportunities not only to heal from our own bitterness, but also to help others heal and to just be able to sit with others, Lord. And I hope that you would uh, open our ears, open our hearts to those uh, who are grieving in our midst. It's in your name I pray. Amen. (laughs) Friends, um, as we walk through this next few weeks on resilience, I'd encourage you, if you know somebody who's going through something, not only just check in with them, um, but maybe if this kind of topic might be helpful for them, invite them along to come to worship. Um, if you know how to use the internet stuff, if you want to pass along the sermons to them online, um, but there's plenty of people who are going through tough things that need some, some comfort and reassurance. Um, and so maybe we can be Ruth to people this week. Uh, but here these words of benediction. When tears pour down and life is but shadows in the dark, may God and friends be there to give new life a spark. No matter who you've been or what pains you've been through, may you feel loved as you grow into someone new. Amen.